Scottish Garden podcast. Today, we're talking about tea. Yes, we're talking tea, Scottish tea to be precise. Did you know that there's a dedicated group of growers who are getting ready to produce their first cup of tea made from plants grown from seed here in Scotland? There are nine farms and rural businesses located throughout Angus, Fife, Perthshire and Aberdeenshire and they started this special project back in 2016. They sourced tea seed, which is especially cold tolerant, necessary here in Scotland, and they've revived spare land and walled gardens to grow hundreds of plants, which are now almost mature enough to pluck and harvest the leaves necessary to make the tea. But I'm not the best person to tell you the story of Scottish tea. I spoke to someone who's a founder member of the group and has established the first 100% pure Scottish black tea, Kinettles Gold, and that's Susie walker Munro. I was sitting in a dentist's waiting room back in 2007 and they had one of those lovely magazines where glossy and um, there was an article about Tregothan down in Cornwall and when I looked at the pictures it had the same vegetation you know primulas and snowdrops and um, lots of laurels and rhododendrons and I thought well do you know what they're growing tea down there and we've got southern facing slopes and we were looking to diversify as well and we had a walled garden which um, we tried to find a purpose for and it had had pigs in it and it had all sorts of different you know ideas nothing had really worked and so it just seemed to make sense to look into tea as a possibility um himalayan plant therefore should be robust and uh, that was the thinking about behind it that was why i first got into it that's amazing inspiration in the dentist's waiting room (laughs) i love it but i guess um scotland while you wouldn't naturally associate it with tea growing there are a lot of gardens which do um, grow the kinds of plants that you would find in yes, these areas. Yeah. Like- I mean, the Victorians really knew what they were doing. Yeah. So when um, I started this project, it was very much um, on my own. It was about seeing in the first instance whether I could actually grow tea um, and whether it was possible to grow enough tea to sell it, um, find out what the value of it was. And then um, as things progressed, it it seemed more fun, basically, in a way. Fun, I don't know if that's the right word. It just felt like um, it would be nice to get a group of people together to actually um, help each other with this because no one had actually been growing tea in Scotland. Um, that was certainly to my knowledge. Um, and up until 2016... I thought, you know what, let's just, just see if we can find other people with wall gardens who wanted another purpose for that garden and try and um, pull something together. So we ended up being nine women, but it could have equally well been men. It's just it was something that appealed more to women. Um, it would never have got off the ground if we hadn't um, here at Canettles in 2015 met up with... Um, a tea consultant called Nigel Mellican, and he introduced me to Beverly Wainwright. And Beverly's got a lot of experience. She was in Sri Lanka for eight years, um, running a tea estate there called Amber. And she was able to come in and say, right, this is what you need to do to tweak the tea you're trying to make. 
which um, was probably worth about £25 a kilogram. And I really wanted a couple more noughts on the end of that. (laughs) And so um, that was really the start of thinking, yes, this is viable now. We are making very, very nice tea. Um, It's all hand-rolled. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, But just little me on my own isn't enough. It's nice if you can actually do this as as a group. And so that's how Tea Gardens of Scotland was born, was nine ladies coming together mm-hmm. and deciding, yeah, come on then, we've, we've got the, the know-how now, we've met Beverly. We also got permission to bring in tea seed. And up until that point, I'd only had cuttings, which are very shallow rooted, and they'd come from Tregothnan, and they don't like the Scottish weather. It's very, very <laughs> blustery, and it's really cold. And unless you've got a nice long tap root, it's really tough on a plant to be thrown outside into a field. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's basically um, where the project took off. Once we got tea seed from, and this is cold tolerant mm-hmm. tea seed, then we actually had a project. We were able to grow it in glass houses and then put the tea out to the, our nine different gardens. And so that's how the project got underway. How did you find the other uh, ladies that are involved in the project? Did, did, well, it was all word of mouth. I mean, because um, a, few, a few of us are very, very old friends right. and then by just sort of putting the word out okay. um it's not difficult up in scotland to find people with wall gardens um it wasn't essential that you had a wall garden and actually um amongst our group um five of us have actually utilized our wall gardens um the other two do have wall gardens but haven't found that was the best place for their tea um and one of them north of us um she she's gone for polytunnels because she's up towards stonehaven and the weather's evil up there but so there are people all over scotland this is not just confined to where we are in angus no we're spread around we're in perthshire angus fife aberdeenshire that's um yeah so we cover a range range of areas yeah Yeah. probably slightly different climates as well yeah yeah absolutely oh absolutely yeah yeah. Yeah. i mean one of our 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 growers is actually um over towards kirimuir and i mean it's feral up there as well you know it could be a snow line she's sitting in it and we're not down here so um it'll it'll lend itself to interesting flavors in our tea as well because climate makes a big difference okay in, in the the sort of complexity of the flavor that comes through soil obviously very essential nice long tap roots great to mine down rather than your cuttings um but actually the long dark nights that we get put the bushes to sleep they go dormant over the winter and then when you come into the spring they are pushing quite hard to get into the first flush and all that puts pressure on a bush and that pressure is um the stress that makes for different flavor profiles so what we have here is a sort of less is more model um there's never going to be the rolling hills of assam or (laughs) japan or anywhere else for that matter um in in scotland but we we have tiny amounts of very beautiful tea that'll make it quite unique won't it 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 makes it very very special yeah yeah um and it's interesting that it's such a commitment as well because the tea that has been grown, that was starting to grow in 2016, yes. isn't that right, is now only ready this yes, year. Yes, there's a long lead-in time yeah. with tea. So um, this will be our first year as a group of going into production. Um, so these um, seeds were planted in 2016 and we're now 2020. So four to five years is about the point at which um, it... it becomes feasible to start trying to take a crop off your your bushes because the root system needs to spread out it needs to 
pick up more goodies, draw in more more minerals and elements and things. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it just needs to mature. It needs it? to it mature. It really does. And and so um, your your bushes. It's it's interesting actually. The whole the life of a tea bush if it's grown from seed. Well, I mean, they've still got them in Darjeeling. They're over 100 years old. Um, you know, it's a long-term project. So, yes, you can be patient waiting for your mm. tea. Because like growing an orchard, you know, you, you might not actually really get cracking and making any money until year seven. So it's a long lead-in time. But then, you know, if your bush is going to last all that time, then it's going to be maybe the children's, although not that they're very interested, or grandchildren's, or somebody's inheritance anyway. Sure, it's a long-term, long-term thing. As is a lot of gardening, I suppose, or, or, or farming of any kind. Um, uh, and this has made good use of quite a lot of space for you and the other growers that wouldn't that you're finding difficult yeah, to yeah. use. It, it is great. It's a great filler because um, roughly with tea, it's about 4,000 bushes to one acre. And um, it means that it's a um, it, it falls into two spheres really for, because you either decide to do it as a business, in which case, as I explained before, there's a long lead-in time, and it's it's quite important that we already had our farming business to be able to rely on. Um, or you can go into tea growing because it's something that's lovely. You want to grow tea to have with your friends. You want to just um, maybe be self-sufficient in tea, in which case, you know, you, you only need about 300 bushes. And that takes up a tiny amount of space. I mean, you know, a thousand bushes is a quarter of an acre. So you can actually um, come at tea growing from two different sides you can think commercially or you can just think this is fun let's let's go for it and on that note you're starting to sell tea bushes as well we are we um after our 2016 adventure um we we took on um glass houses uh, quite near to us on the farm and we were able to grow our own tea from seed so that's also exciting and that made us realize yes this can be done again and so it was a huge success 2016 2017 and we got all our tea grown from seed out to our nine gardens and uh, then then we thought this year yes let's let's really go for this again now because um we've taken on a second glass house we have um, literally hundreds of thousands of seeds and um they're all going into their seed beds at the moment and so we've become horticulturalists as well (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a bit about what will happen then once you harvest this tea, hopefully this year all being well. What will happen to it next? How does, how does it go from this, uh, this is being the... plucked off the bush to going into a cup? Right. When you pluck the tea, um, you need to... Um, well, we're, we're concentrating as a group at the moment on black tea. Some of us want to also do green tea, but um, let's talk about black tea first. Um, it's all about how you get the moisture out of the leaf. So um, when you pluck your tea, you bring it in and you um, put it on tats. They're like um, racks, basically, um, overnight. And that will wick away some of the moisture. Um, it will change the, the feel of the leaf. And then when you decide it's about right, you can then roll it. So we hand roll our tea. But um, this year we'll be moving to machinery, which is very grown up and very exciting. And then after that, it um, is left to oxidise, maybe just for an hour or so, um, until you judge the scent coming off the tea is right, and then it goes into the ovens. So it's a good 24-hour process to make that tea. And um, again, um, it, it... 
you can make different teas from the same tea bush. So um, depending on the technique you use, you can make a green tea, you can make a pura tea, you could do yellow tea, white tea. Um, it, it, I think perhaps people sort of think that it's um, you have a different type of tea bush for um, yeah, green I or would. for black. <laughs> and and again, you have some um, leaf varietals that are better for making a green tea than they are for black. But that doesn't mean to say that you can't make green off of varietal that is probably better known for a black you can you know, it's okay. just how you actually handle that leaf it's the process you wow. put it through I'm, I'm so impressed with the fact that you guys do like it's not just that you grow the bushes you actually can eventually you just make the tea effectively yourselves so you've picked the leaves and and decided what they're going to be and then how do they get into a cup basically right well, okay. Um, with our group this year, what we um, want to do is to come together at the Scottish Tea Factory and our consultant, Beverly Wainwright, is going to make all our tea for the group. And she will be in charge of the sort of packaging it up. And uh, we then need to um, work out our outlets for it. And so um, this is still much in discussion because obviously there's very little Scottish tea and there's a lot of interest in that tea. So um, I'm not saying you want to start a bidding war, but we do actually need to think very carefully about where we go with this product because it's very beautifully made, a lot of time, a lot of labour, a lot of effort has gone into it. And so by coming together as a group, um, we will be able to have a sort of decent quantity. So we'd like to be able to produce about... 10 kilograms of tea this year so I say decent quantity and people will be laughing sitting in a sand because I mean <laughs> they do hundreds of thousands of kilograms but um, no it, it's by coming together we can do sort of enough this year um, going forward we will probably as the amount of crop expands like to focus more on our individual um, teas so for instance in our case you know we already have Canettles Gold but I would like to do a Canettles Premium First Flush and the others within our group will also most likely want to make the most of that first flush which is um, always a slightly more interesting tea because it's come out of the winter and as I was saying before the bushes are very stressed at this point and so um, there is more complexity of flavour but while we've only got a small amount of crop um, it's quite good to put all the batches together which means that we don't actually we, we wouldn't be selling until September or October this year it's not that we're just making it and selling it straight away and also with black tea it has a very long shelf life actually it can um, it, it can almost mature so um, actually it's an advantage to be waiting um, maybe to September October and then in a position to to, to sell them so then at that point you um, obviously it goes out to the clients they boil their water they make their lovely cup of tea and they can watch the leaf unfurl because it's been made by what you call an orthodox process it's not um tut, uh, cut tear curl which is um the 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 way tea bags are made which are um slicing up the leaf very very small so that the surface area is expanded and that's what means a tea bag could be dunked and then just after a couple of minutes, you pull it out and it's a lovely dark colour. Um, actually, with our tea, you want to leave it about five minutes in the cup. And then um, you want to actually um, pour off the liquor. And then you can make a second cup. Because once you've poured off the liquor, you just want to set, it, set, set the leaf aside and let it cool. And then you can then 
have your second cup later when you want. So it's different from a tea bag where you get one shot and that's it. Um, so our least sleep teas can be um, done, in fact, three times. And then afterwards, you could always cook with it. It's lovely with a little bit of soy sauce <laughs> because they are beautiful. They get a seaweed consistency when you um, put it in the frying pan with the soy sauce and they do that in Japan and it's really nice. That's something I really didn't realise because I am a, a tea bag I'm a person, I'm afraid. No, get away from them. I do. I will, I will have to go and seek out more loosely. Well, but I didn't realise you got that longevity of it and and the fact that you, you were explaining to me that it, there are different... Um, things which come out of each cup of tea as you use the leaf then and that are more beneficial to you right yeah no uh, yes because you were having this conversation earlier and, and again people drink tea for all sorts of different reasons there's the pleasure of drinking it but there's also the health benefits and it's it's an interesting one because you don't want to get too tied up um, in sweeping claims about things. But the science as such has um, definitely um, veered towards the green tea for cancer, um, pe- people with cancer or medication with cancer. Um, it it allows, because of the way it's made, greater access to the catechins, which are actually the slightly bitter bit when you drink green tea. Um, so how you drink that tea is different from black tea so black tea is boiling water green tea 80 degrees um it can be 70 degrees it depends on the type of green tea you're using some can even be 60 degrees but it's actually about um having that first cup which will be slightly sweeter and then your second cup so your second infusion after you've poured that liquor off after your first cup you then pour the water onto the leaf again and that one you um, leave to steep a little bit longer and maybe have it with a bit of shortbread or something that's sweet um, and that will be a little bit more bitter but you're getting the goodness out of it so it's not a sort of everything's rushed in this country you know people think of green tea right just pour the water on and then it goes very bitter quite quickly because they probably pour boiling water on it rather than slightly cooler water um, so it's Again, the issue about caffeine as well. People get worried. They say, oh, there's too much caffeine in everything and they don't want caffeine in their tea. <laughs> but again, you know, if you're, you're, um, well, if you're worried about caffeine, you don't need to leave the tea in the water as long. That's one very simple way. You're not allowing as much to transfer across into the, in, into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing as well, again, with your black tea, again, the process that is used... Um, gives access um it's called l-theanine and it counterbalances the caffeine so you get a very slow release rather than the spike that you would with the coffee and that way it's more meditative in a way it allows you actually because um l-theanine is only found in three plants on the planet so far someone else may be able to come up with more but at the moment it's a mushroom in europe it's a holly bush in in central america and it's tea and L-theanine is this this extraordinary has this extraordinary relationship with the caffeine, which allows this slow, gentle release. So again, it's um, not getting too hung up on something that is basically there because caffeine um, in the bud of the tea bush discourages insects from attacking it. Um, but it is also a huge flavour enhancer as well. So you don't want to get too uh, hung up on these things. Okay. I'm definitely going to have to rethink my tea drinking now. <laughs> well, you could always go and um, do one of Beverly's courses at the, at the tea factory yes. because she actually covers this in huge de- detail. And I'm wittering away slightly, but actually, you know, she, she is really good. She knows the science. She knows really what, you know, thoroughly what she's talking about. And she lives, breathes, thinks it. And she runs these incredible courses that are um, part of the UK Tea Academy. And so, you know, 
It's a certificate as well. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really, you, you yeah. come away, your eyes totally opened. But you are that bit further along. We should come back to Knettles Gold. That's yes. your tea that you actually have produced for a while. So you really do know. Yeah, no, I've, I've been making tea since 2015. Um, and as I explained, with, with Beverly's help to get it off the ground. And then after that, um, it, it's... It's just it's just something amazing. It's a bit like having a canvas um, if you're an artist and you've got this lovely blank canvas and you think, right, and I'll get that first brushstroke on it. Every single batch of tea you make is different, but you have to tweak a little bit. You might pluck on a day when it's very blowy, um, a day like today, <laughs> and, and and therefore the, the leaf will have dried out more before you've actually started to wither it on your tats. And so you've got to adjust, and there's an awful amount, a huge amount of calibration, a huge amount of notes that you have to take when you're um, doing it. And so I like I was explaining earlier with the Tea Gardens of Scotland, wait till September, October time. And I put all my batches together uh, for Canettles Gold, which um, is grown from Sinensis Sinensis. This is a Chinese varietal. Um, the small leafed one that I was saying is, is quite well suited for our feral weather here in Scotland. And um, we, we sell that to Pico Tea and um, they have a, a, an outlet in Levin Street in Edinburgh. So that took care for us of all the marketing side which is quite daunting because you're so busy you know you've got to grow the tea you've got to make the tea you've got to get that tea you know in pristine condition to pico tea and they therefore take over the 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 promotion of it and it's an endorsement it's lovely you know that your tea's there it's with experts they've said right this is how we want to do the tins this is how we're doing the labeling you know this is how we tell the press that we're you know we've got this and so it was the kickstart i needed in 2015 to get things going and it's it's lovely because it's given us baseline recognition and it's it's so important because people don't associate tea growing with scotland no. <laughs> and it's quite a special cup of tea if you order canettles gold it's not your typical it's not it's no it's not it's not cheap it? <laughs> but again you brew it again and you brew it a third time yeah. so actually if you look at the economics of it and and you know we were laughing a little earlier about it and i was saying you know if you have a cup of tea on the train and you're maybe paying one pound 90 for one gram of tea in a tea bag well if you imagine a thousand of those tea bags then actually £1,900 has been spent on that tea mm. and so you sort of look at these headline grabbing figures Canettles gold is £2,500 a kilogram but actually when you break that down it's good value because you can brew it the second time and third time and so it's it's about trying to get people to realise that actually you still get very good value from loose leaf tea in fact you get better value from loose leaf tea than you do from a tea bag and um, I just wish that supermarkets sold more loose leaf tea and that it was people understood more that um, it's actually a saving in itself Thank you very much I think that's all I wanted to ask it's been a really great introduction to Scottish tea and Scottish tea growing um is it something you would recommend people that could try at home or should try at home? Yeah, I mean, as I said before, you want to just decide how you want to go about it. If you want to just do it for fun, then just get a few bushes and just, you know, plug a few leaves off the top and make a white tea. And a white tea is literally about air drying the tea. So it's in its purest, purest form. It's not been um, steamed. It's not been 
pan heated, it's not been rolled, and just dry it as you would a herb. And enjoy doing it that way just to try it, you know, a couple of bushes. And then you can sort of maybe take it up a level if you say, okay, I'd like to do some green tea, I'd like to do some black tea, then maybe get a few more bushes. Um, But it's that balance between your time and how much tea you want and that's when you have to sort of um in fact the best thing i could say is on the website if people get down to the bottom of the home page there's a feasibility study and that was done by um, tea consultant nigel manikin and he explained in it working because there was not enough information on scotland on a lot of data from other parts of the world but he has actually worked in america and he's worked in um colder regions so he has given an idea of some of the costs involved in it and I think that's quite a good wake-up call and it makes people realize actually yeah do I really 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 want to sink money into this so you think hard and then make those decisions but that would certainly help and then also again Beverly does consultancy so she can go and look at the ground and say right test your pH or your water or your (laughs) because it's not something you jump into you've got to make sure that the soil is right otherwise you'll waste money you'll put the tea bushes on the ground and then wonder why they've curled up their toes but most of Scotland is acidic soil so that's very very helpful um that's a good start so yeah I just say research it thoroughly before you jump in um and just sort of um you know if you're doing it for fun it doesn't matter just get a few bushes and go yeah. for it and if you don't fancy growing it just go out to the shops or go out to pico tea and then yes, okay. buy some of yours and absolutely <laughs> i know and then hopefully at the end of this next year we'll know with our tea gardens of scotland <laughs> we can we can then moment, won't it, that, to drink your own cup oh, of tea that we, we are so excited about this yeah, so um that, that that is definitely work in process progress and yeah. we'll, we'll let you know how that goes will you have a party or something yes exactly that's a good <laughs> Tea party, tea party. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, Scottish tea. Thanks so much to Susie for the chance to meet with her and to view her tea garden. I really wish the group well and I hope I'll get the chance to drink a cup of their Scottish grown tea very soon. There's a lot more information all about the various tea gardens at their website teagardensofscotland.co.uk and on the group's social media channels too, where they regularly post pictures and updates about their progress. You can also arrange to visit some of the gardens or the Scottish Tea Factory at Comrie Croft in Perthshire, where you can also do courses in tea tasting or blending. I'll include links to all of these in the show notes and I really recommend you take a look. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Scott Garden Pod or send a message to scottishgardenpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be happy and well in your garden. Goodbye.